Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts, and someone who has suffered from, managed, and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success. If you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Hello and welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Let's do a little check-in. How are you feeling? What's going on? How do your emotions feel in your body? I have some stagnant energy in my upper back, so I'm going for... Reiki, massage, cupping, acupuncture in a little bit. I go to Saffron and Sage in San Diego. If you've never met, if you've never been, highly recommend go um, ask for Vanessa and say that I sent you. They have been my lifeline for the last, I think it's been almost five years now. So that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling as if my body's a little stiff. I need to move some energy. I need some reset, some relaxation. So I'm about to head out and do that right now. It's a practice I do every single month. Cupping is my absolute favorite thing, and it's one of those healing modalities that truly is a non-negotiable for me. But this episode is not about cupping, and it's not about acupuncture. It is about entrepreneurship. It's about the emotional process and journey of launching because I have Natalie Barbu on. She is the host of the Real Real podcast and the founder of Rella, an incredible app that helps influencers manage their social media content and their campaigns. And we actually did a swap and I'm not going to lie. My episode is live on the Real Real right now. It went live yesterday on Monday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. And I have given a lot of interviews. I have been a guest on a lot of podcasts, but there was something about this episode, this interview that was just absolute fire. So once you listen here and get to know Natalie, go to The Real Real, listen to me on her podcast because it was one of those moments where I was listening back to myself and I couldn't help but say, whoa, that's me? I said that? So you know that when I say that, it's a good episode. But in this episode, we talked a lot about what it was like to launch Rella. What were the emotions behind the launch? What was it like investing in herself since she invested money into this launch? 
we talked a lot about feedback. Like what is her opinion and attitude around getting feedback from her community on the app and how to not take feedback super personally, but rather to welcome it into your business so that you can fine tune and improve your product or service. We talked about what to do when you're having a hard day and how to know that you're on track with your business. And we talk about investing in the things that you desire. So it's always a pleasure to chat with Natalie. Uh, we did a swap with her over on OK Sis Podcast. So if you want even more conversations with me, Natalie, and my sister Mads, you have those available. And she's been such an incredible partner to work with at Scouts Agency. We've booked so many of our clients onto her podcast as well. So she is an all-around incredible entrepreneur. She is someone that I have met via this vehicle of podcasting. She lives in Miami. I've never met her in real life, but We've been able to have such beautiful, concentrated conversations on podcasts together and through that have been able to really support one another's work. So enjoy this episode. And if you love it, I would be so honored if you would text it to a friend who is maybe about to launch something or is about to launch an app or in the social media space or would just resonate with Natalie's message. She's an incredible, incredible entrepreneur to follow. And so enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Okay, love, you just launched Rella, <laughs> which is an app, which is a big fucking deal. And we're going to get into the emotional parts of what the fuck goes into a launch. But first, just so everyone can understand what we're talking about when we talk about your genius and brilliance and offerings to the world, tell us what Rella is. Yeah. So Rella is an app, like you said, it's on uh, Android and it's on iPhone and it helps influencers manage their business because it is a business. And so we really want to kind of be the groundwork and like the supporting system that influencers use to make sure that everything is on track for their business so they can focus on content creation and interacting with their community rather than, you know, the admin and the back end type of stuff. So we support, you know, the consistency, the content calendar, you can track your earnings, you can make sure that how much you're getting paid every single month, you can make sure that you are getting paid and that like the brands have paid you on time. And we're adding a ton of new features like in the future, we just launched like our very, very first version. But it's essentially like if you want to start treating social media like a business, you need to be on Rella. I love, or I don't love, but it's so interesting to me how you have to say for influencers because it's a business, like you still have to fucking tell people that it's a business, which is so crazy to me because when I think about everything I do, the content creation part of my job is the most rewarding, but it is the most energy draining in my opinion. Oh yeah. And it's, one of those things where like now people are starting to treat it like a business finally in 2022, like especially, so we're raising money. So speaking to investors, investors are taking it seriously now, which, That's you know, good. is a good thing, but I will say that it kind of, I've read a lot of data on like, or I've read a lot of like reports that with creator economy startups, still four fifths of them are male run startups and the creator mm. economy is mainly female driven. And so I'm just like, where is this discrepancy? Like, is it now being taken seriously because a lot of guys have entered the space and started like making startups out of it? Or is it taken seriously because it's like people realize that you can make a lot of money and it's a business. So maybe I'm cynical, but I'm always like, no, what's the reason behind it? Cause I've been doing this for a while and <laughs> it's weird that it's now getting taken seriously. I think there's merit behind that because I don't remember who it was. I think it was Liv Perez. She was a guest on OKC's podcast. I believe it was her. Sorry if it was not you, Liv Perez, who said 
you know, the influencer industry is, I think, at this point, a billion-dollar industry. If that was a male-dominated industry, it would be seen as legit because a billion dollars is a fucking legit industry whatever way you want to put it. So I think there's a lot of merit to what you just said, and I think that if it was a male-focused industry, it, it would be a lot further along in reputation and being taken seriously and given funding resources. So knowing that you are spearheading the business side of the influencing world and industry and career is... Incredible, incredible. So we are here to talk today about the emotional side of launching something. You didn't just launch a course, which by all means, that's like also a big deal. But I'm just saying like, this was a very, you launched a business, you launched an arm of your business, you launched an entire product, etc, an entire new brand. Looking back on that launch period, what's the one emotion that comes to mind first that you experienced very dominantly? Honestly, I would say fear. And I know that's like not the best answer. No, it's the, it's, it's the right answer in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, like it was fear because I had been working on Rella for the past year and a half with our team, you know, by myself. It's, it was like an internal project. And so, yeah, I talked about it and I shared, you know, the behind the scenes, but like to put it out there and be like, hi everyone, this is what we've been working on. And like, you can now judge it for yourself and you can now use it and you can tell us everything that's wrong with it. That's so scary. And I know like it, obviously you have to put it out there for it to become a business, but it was just that fear of like, what if something goes wrong? What if they don't like it? What if, you know, whatever happens, what if it crashes? What if, you know, and all of these things are like, what if we don't get the downloads that like no one downloads it or like everyone deletes it or all of these things. And so I would just say fear was like the number one emotion going to it. But then on launch day, I did have like a lot of excitement and gratitude, I would say. So I feel as if this is such a common theme that we are, and this is so interesting to me because I'm, I'm kind of seeing my sister maybe in a little bit of your answer versus where I'm going with my answers when I think about my launches. The fear, I feel like there's two fears. There's the fear of what others are going to think and how our business is going to be received. And then for me, there's also the fear of look at all the finances and resources and time and energy I put will that come back to me in some sort of a way? So let's start first with, do you resonate with that second one at all? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's talk about both of them. Let's kind of delineate them because I feel as if people see content creators like us on the internet and we're launching and it's exciting. And yet to actually press publish and showcase something, it's the scariest fucking journey of your life. So let's first talk about the fear of will this be well received? Will we hit the downloads? Will people like it? What were some of the main narratives that were coming up for you? And how did you emotionally center yourself to move through them and launch anyways? Yeah. So one of the biggest things was like, okay, what if people don't like this? And it was like, oh my God, this is overhyped. Like you guys, you were talking about it for so long and like this sucks. And, and to me, it was like, well, this isn't the final product. Like this is like version one. It's like our MVP that we're launching. And like, what if people don't understand that and then they don't stick around? And so it was all of those emotions were going around my head like every single day, especially leading up to launch. But what helped me move through that was getting feedback from like testers, getting feedback from people that were like a small, intimate group of people that were using it and actually hearing like their thoughts on it and hearing like, no, we actually do like it. And like, 
this is actually a really good app. And like, we really, really needed this. And so hearing that I was like, okay, that makes me feel a lot better because it wasn't like those people had to tell me that, like they were literally in the group to like, tell me what they didn't like about it and stuff like that. And they did, they told me a lot of things that were like, well, you know, this could be improved or this could be improved. So like hearing that they actually really liked it put me at ease too. And then also realizing like, I am the person that this app is made for. Like mm-hmm. me, like I am the target audience for this app and I really like it. So I'm like, maybe I'm a little biased, but like, I totally would use this. It has my functionality. I am using it. So that also helped kind of cast my fears aside that I know what I'm doing because I am the person that is going to be using this. So kind of just reminding myself of that too. Yeah. If you're creating something, it's obviously because you're passionate about it, especially as women. We create out of purpose versus out of strict money success. A lot of the times what we are bringing out there into the world has to light us up in many ways. I feel like that's a really beautiful feminine quality to the way we do business. And something you said there is that you had these focus groups that told you that they liked it or gave you positive feedback, whatever it was. And I just wanted to stop you right there and highlight that out because I see so many people receiving that good feedback and not internalizing it and logging it as evidence for the fact that they're on the right path. So I don't know if you struggled with this or that's resonating, but can you talk a little bit about how to internalize the evidence and the signs around you that you're on the right path, that you're doing the right thing when fear overcomes and you start telling yourself lies, like it's not going to work and no one's going to like it. Like, how do you go back into the bank and pull the evidence that you've seen that you're on the right path? So we even have something on our Slack group called like nice customers where we like will screenshot things that people have said. Wait, I was on one of your team's podcasts, Kayla, and she said that you had this other Slack group. And I'm like, I need to get into the fucking Rella Slack channels because you guys title your rooms so amazing. I forgot. I think her other one was like big visions or big manifestations or something. And I was just like, you guys have the best fucking Slack channel. No, one of them like internally is called like big ass list where we yes, have like, that's it. <laughs> it's like all of our like ideas and like big ideas and all of that. So we like put that in there, but I will like screenshot and like, and write down quotes. And like, if anyone's like, oh yeah, I recommended this to my friend and they texted me saying that they loved it. I was like, can you please send me a screenshot of that friend's text so I can put it in this group because I will literally go back and like read what people said. And then I will go and like talk to those people and be like, thank you for using it. Like, tell me a little bit more about that, you know, so that I can hear it from them. And like, it's in their words, you know? So like the text message, it's not just someone telling me like, oh yeah, our customers are really liking it. Our users are really liking it. It's like them saying, I am a user and I really like Mm. this. Like that helps me a lot. So that's why I will screenshot anything nice and like post it in that Slack channel for like all of us to get like encouragement and to see. And I think that that helps a lot and also hearing from people. So also you want you, I mean, you don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of like hype men where it's like, they're just telling you what you want to hear because then it doesn't mean anything. So in those focus groups, I ask for the negatives too, you know, and I ask for like, well, tell me what you don't like, tell me what's, what's not working, you know? So that way it's like a balanced, approach but the good is outweighing the bad it's like yeah there are bugs but like I really love what this is doing so that way it's like okay they're not just telling me what I want to hear they're actually helping me out and telling me about this so I think having like a focus groups and groups internally like if you have a product that can really really tell you the good and the bad is a great way to be have like an unbiased approach with like your product because you know people some people are only going to tell you what you want to hear so you want to make sure that you hear both but like 
remember the good, screenshot it, put it on a, as a wallpaper, look back at it because you'll need that, you know, cause you're going to have moments where you're like, oh my God, this sucks. Like no one likes it. And then use those, look back at those to remind yourself. Such good advice. I screenshot, I have a couple DMs that I pull on that I've screenshotted from women who either were diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I think the one that I always come back to when I'm wondering if what I'm doing even has an impact or if I'm wondering if my reach is as big as it should be or anything technical like that that's really based in ego, I remember this one DM that I screenshotted and she DM'd me, I think, right after or as she was walking out of a psychiatrist's office and she said, I was just diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And because I follow your content and know you and whatever, listen to my podcast, whatever it was, she said, I'm not afraid. And I was like, oh my God, sometimes we get so incredibly bogged down by our emotional state by fearing the worst or thinking about our ego and our reputation and yet if we just pause to see the evidence around us to log it screenshot it and save it for another day it's so incredibly fruitful to bring us home to that which leads me to my next question because you just said that you also ask for the critical feedback and that is one of my weaknesses a hundred percent my husband will tell you that any day and I can see it in business, you know, just because I think I am so type A. And I think when you put yourself out there on the internet, feedback feels personal and it feels scary because it's not just like, uh, here's my lip gloss. What do you think about your lip gloss? They'll say things about your character, but feedback is such an integral part of having a successful launch. But emotionally for a lot of us, taking feedback is difficult. Can you talk about your experience taking feedback and why that's so important to you and how to differentiate between having something emotionally sting and using it for the better? Yeah, I think with being on the internet, there is some unwanted feedback and it's like, I didn't ask for this. So, you know, I think feedback should be asked for, for the most part. Oh, that's good. That's good. Feedback should be asked for. That is the new rule of the internet. Okay, keep going. Yeah, because, you know, like if I didn't ask what you think, I don't care. Like, don't don't tell me about it. You know, with Rella, we're constantly asking for feedback. So yes, please share. But like, on the internet, on like my Instagram photo, I didn't ask, you know, so like, don't tell me what you think about it. And I also think you can tell when it's malicious versus when it's actually constructive. And a lot of times if it's malicious, it is so easy to spot. Usually it's like, Hey sis, I hate like girly. Don't do that. Like whatever, you know, like it's like a very condescending, like that's not a good look. Yeah. Things like that. Like you can tell if it's malicious or not. So whenever I'm getting feedback, I'll ask myself like, is this constructive? And if it's not, then I do not need to care what this person thinks. Not that it doesn't hurt because it still does, obviously, like we're human and like, I will get upset about it. But usually what I do with that is like, I don't care about this person. I don't care what I didn't ask them for their feedback. I don't need it. And if it's something like in my personal life, like not my business, I will block them. I don't need this energy. If you said something mean this time, like you're probably going to keep going and it's going to create like a snowball effect. And like, you don't need to like see my stuff anymore. In business, 
I usually ask for feedback and then that will be more of like a constructive session. So like if someone is emailing us, telling us what they don't like, we'll be like, okay, well, can you explain more? We'll ask questions. We'll try to hop on a phone call. You know, we'll really try to break it down. So we get to the root of like how we can actually improve the experience rather than taking it personally, because it's something that we've been like asking for. And we've been wanting, we're using this to improve in the long run rather than like them just saying like they hate us and that's it. So I think it's just like deciphering between the two. Such, such good distinction. And I think as people who their business is their personal brand in many ways, that distinction can get confusing for some of us because I've stepped into a place of, okay, well, when it's with business, it's more beneficial for me to ask for feedback, receive the feedback and integrate the feedback that I find to be useful versus viewing it as this malicious attack on my character, which is can get confusing in our day and age when we are the face of the businesses that we build. This is so good. I love this. Okay. So now let's talk about the other fearful side of things. Was Rella self-funded or did you get outside investments? So we are fundraising and we did a friends and family round to start. And now we are raising like a pre-seed round. So I did put in some money into it as well, but we also did get like friends and family too. So majority of it has been from outside investments. Beautiful. So right now I'm in this state, right before we hopped on this call, I decided to make this investment, but I'm not yet done paying for my last investment that I made a month ago because I move fast and I'm very, at this point, comfortable with investing money, resources, time, energy in like a big capacity. Like my, my threshold for that is getting bigger and bigger because I trust my desires and my instincts. And yet before I invest anything, whether it's time, money, energy, something that's out of my comfort zone for you, it's been a year and a half of building a new app. It's been whatever money you put in. It's been managing the team. It's been having a flourishing career as a content creator and influencer to now pivoting and adding in this to your business portfolio. Can you talk about a moment where that investment felt scary and yet exhilarating at the same time? I would say, honestly, when I put money into Rella, I put like a few tens of thousands of dollars into it. And so that's a good investment. That's a, that's a, it's not small. We're not talking 500 bucks here, people. Okay. Okay. What did that feel like? Tell me what that felt like. It felt honestly like I actually didn't have like any fear with that. I actually felt very excited with that. So Mm. that was a exciting investment. I was like, I am investing in my business. This is going to pay off. I can't wait to talk about this one day. Like I just, I have confidence in it and I have, you know, I know like obviously things can go wrong, but like I have full confidence with it. And I know that like we need funding to, you know, excel the vision and to like grow the business. And so I've didn't really even like have a second thought to it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to put this money and I'll get it back because it's going to grow and it's going to, you know, Rella will do well. So I think in that moment, actually, I just had like a lot of confidence and not that much fear because I just, I really do believe that like we will do well and that money will come back to me in the end. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Because that's what I needed to hear for myself in this exact moment. There's a lot of things going through my mind right now, but what you just said is that there's two things. What you, I'm just like reflecting everything you said back because they're takeaways for everybody. What you just said is that when you invested in something because you desired it and you knew that this was the path for you, 
there wasn't a doubt in your mind that this was going to come back to you and that this was going to be successful. That kind of energetic investment propels the wheels forward towards abundance and expansion, et cetera. It feels crazy to put that much money in. Like I'm about to put that much money into something else again, you know, but there's something that you said, you said, we need outside investment to make this work. Like we need money to make this work. And I was wondering why you say that with such confidence and yet the investments that I make, I feel as if, how do I say this? You said that so clearly. To build an app, you need money. Mm -hmm. To build a business, you need money. So why, before I invest in something that's a little bit less tangible than that, maybe it's coaching, maybe it's business consulting, et cetera, I think we should all tell ourselves we need to make investments to move forward and get to the next level. We don't need mm-hmm. to make our investments wrong or feel as if we're being irresponsible, which might be my money story. You feel, Natalie, since I've talked to you in this capacity, extremely grounded. Does that, do you, would you describe yourself as that? I would say I do feel grounded for the most part. And I, I, I haven't, I've shocked myself because I haven't had that much anxiety over this. I felt like a, a peace for the most part. Wave mm-hmm. of roller coaster, like a roller coaster of emotions every single day. But for the most part, I, I never feel like I'm out of control or like I'm like, oh my God, this is the end or this is the end of the world. Or I don't let myself spiral, I guess, but I have like that roller coaster of emotions. And I think overall it's because I am confident in what we're building. I'm confident in what we're doing. And I just like trust that, it will work in the end. And like, I always say this and you can say this because you've written a book, but I always say like, this is just a chapter in my book. Like whenever Mm. I write a book one day, this is just something I'm going to talk about as like a lesson learned and it all adds up in the end. And like, I'm a huge like listener to podcasts, like business podcasts and stuff like that. And so I hear everyone else that's successful has gone through stuff like this. So like, of course, I'm going to go through stuff like this. It's kind of like a rite of passage, you know? And so I just Mm. try to view it in that lens to not, let my self like spiral into like really negative thoughts or like be like, Oh my God, like this is going to fail or I'm going to fail or, or whatever. Like I really don't get to that point. And I know it's different for everyone, but I think I like constantly tell myself, like remind myself how confident I am in like what I'm building. And like, if I wasn't confident, I wouldn't be working on this. Okay. Two things just right off the bat. Do you have any tips for anyone who does suffer with spiraling? How do you stop it? How do you interject before you, maybe you naturally don't spiral, but do you find yourself in moments where you feel like, oh, I could spiral right now, but I'm not going to? Is it the internal dialogue around being confident around what it is? Okay, so talk to me. What does your internal dialogue sound like when you need an emotional entrepreneur pep talk? Yeah, I talk to myself a lot. So (laughs) I have a lot of internal dialogue. And I think that is really, really what helps. One, I will just talk to myself and be like, everyone goes through something like this and in the end it's going to work out and like I'll even look like at the numbers for example I'll be like this is how much runway we have if I need to I can put in more money like thank god I am able to do that you know like that's like a such a blessing such a privilege on my end so Mm -hmm. I try to look at like the positives I'm like this is not the end of the world like even if something goes wrong it's still going to be okay I'm confident that in the end it's going to pay off why would I be doing this if I wasn't confident that it's going to pay off I literally like live and breathe what I've been working on. And so like, I know the ins and outs of it. And I know that this can be successful. And then I'll look at other people who have done it. And I'm like, they were successful. Like, look at everything that they've like gone through. And like, they still made it. I think a lot of people give up before 
they could even make it, you know, and they give up because it gets really, really hard. And I think getting really, really hard is gonna happen. Like that is just, it's mm-hmm. gonna get hard. It's mm-hmm. gonna get ugly. It's gonna get hard and you're gonna cry and you're gonna be upset and you're gonna, you know, you're going to have like really, really bad moments. But I think that that doesn't mean that you're not gonna be successful. If anything, it means that like you have to persevere through that to get to that point where you do make it quote unquote. So it's like that pep talk in my head where I like envision my future and I'm like, oh, this makes sense that I'm going through this. Like this is just one step to get to like where I need to be next. It's almost as if, you know, I think for a long time, society has been undoing that happily ever after narrative around relationships. Like once you find the one, it's just happily ever after. And then it gets hard and people get confused and they're like, wait a minute, I was sold this story and now it's hard and I'm confused. I think we're starting to unravel that narrative around the entrepreneurial path because it's been extremely glamorized as you're your own boss and you have freedom and autonomy of your life and you can scale your income. And there's obviously so many perks to entrepreneurship, but it's been marketed to us the same way the happily ever after in relationships has been marketed to us. And now we get to unravel that. So step number one is accepting discomfort and accepting that this path is extremely challenging and comes with a lot of pain. But whenever I'm in those moments where it feels painful or hard, something goes wrong, et cetera, I always know that I'm like about to break through. Like I genuinely believe that through the resistance and the pain and the challenges is when your business unfolds. And so if we could all just reframe it as in like in my book, I think, I don't know what chapter it is. And when in my book, I say, just accept that it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen. It's a rite of passage. You're on the right path when it does happen and you just need to move through. I'm curious because your inner dialogue and self-talk seems to be very strong and supportive. What do you feel like when you wake up? What's like the first couple moments like for you when you wake up and regain consciousness? How do you feel about your life? So I try not to focus on like work at all when I wake up. So I don't check my phone at all. I don't go on my phone for like two hours in the morning. Like I'll go. Same. Yeah, I like really try not to. So I wake up, I do my skincare. I drink my athletic greens, I go to the gym and like in the gym, I use my phone to like listen to a podcast and like I have like an app that tells me what to do. But like I try not to like read my texts. I don't look at Instagram. I'm still on like do not disturb mode even while I'm at the gym because that's my time where I can literally think of nothing. Like I don't think about anything. Like I'm just like, it's like a meditative state where I'm like, I'm not thinking about literally anything in my life. And then when I get back home, it's when I'm like, okay, Now I can, you know, make my coffee, sit down and open up my computer and like check my email and kind of see what I have to do today. But I don't allow myself to think of that before the day begins, which is for like at like 9.30 or like 10 a.m. for me. And I wake up at like seven. So I have like a two, three hour morning routine and where I don't think about anything. And I think that really, really helps because then I start my day without that stress. Like even if I have a lot on my plate, I don't let myself think about that. That's good. I wake up and I have a very similar thing, two to three hours without my phone, except I think about everything that's going right. Like I think about all the exciting things. Like I journal, I'm so excited about this. I get to do this today. I love this. But hearing you say that you think about nothing, I can see how maybe when I jump, my brain goes into work pretty quickly via journaling, not via the phone. I'm not actually checking things, but I just express gratitude. But I can rev my engine up a little bit too much first thing in the morning, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's good to start off with gratitude, though. But I get how that can make you think about then work because you're like, wait, what am I grateful for? Like sometimes if I'm doing like a gratitude journal, I literally have to think and it's so bad because there's so much to be grateful for. But I'll sit there and I'll be like, what am I grateful for? 
I don't want to say the cliche friends, family, whatever, you know, like, I'm like, what am I actually grateful for? And then I have to like, think about everything. And like, it's sad that it doesn't come to me that quickly. Cause there's literally so much in my life to be grateful for, but that's something that like, I don't journal as often as I would like, but I think it's because I get stumped sometimes when I'm journaling. It's so interesting how different tools evoke different emotional responses from different people at different times, if they do it in the morning or the afternoon or the evening, et cetera. Amazing. I am such a preacher of the no phone in the morning. It changed my life. And now I do like no phone at night. I have the lofty alarm clock. I leave my phone upstairs. It's incredible. It's the best thing, especially if you own your own business. How do you feel now that Rella has launched? Because I know sometimes launches can create kind of like that postpartum feeling right afterwards. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel good. Um, Right now, my brain is 100% on fundraising mode. So I feel so disconnected because I am fundraising and I'm talking to investors and I'm trying to reach out to investors and I'm working on our pitch deck. And so I feel so out of the loop in like the day-to-day things because I'm the main one fundraising. And so I feel a little disconnected and that's why I'm like, wait, is everything okay? Like, are we good? Like, I'm like focused on raising money, but like, are, is the business doing well? So I need to get more into like maybe starting an hour in my day, like kind of getting connected with like how the business is doing, how Rella is doing, and then getting into fundraising mode rather than like just being in fundraising mode. But I will say I feel one little disconnected, but also it's like, oh my God, are we still doing okay? Even though we launched and like that excitement is gone. And so like, why are people not like talking about us every single day now? You know, I'm like, oh my God, is it bad now? But it's not, it's just a little lull because you've, you know, you the excitement has died down. But I also think because we spent so much effort on launch, we need to come up with a way to like continue to, you know, post and be promotional and like still provide value and build community aside from having some big thing to look forward to. So I think it's kind of just we're in a transition period. Yeah, the allure of launch momentum is so intoxicating that you think that this is your new norm. And then when everything kind of dies down, like the Instagram posts die down, no one's tagging you and being like, congratulations, here's the swipe up, da, 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 or the link, whatever. You can feel as if you're doing something wrong, but really you're just settling into baseline, just, you know, compared to the launch momentum, it feels so high. It's the same thing when like you get a bunch of Instagram followers because you did a collab or whatever and it worked. And then the next week you don't, and you're confused because you think you like expect that to be your new norm. So I totally understand that. And that feeling of like, is the business doing well is such a beautiful example of how your role is expanding into other territories. I felt the same way with my agency while I was launching my book and doing all these things. I was like, is the business doing well? And that's the weirdest feeling to feel. But when things get a little bit bigger, that's kind of how you feel. And you have to kind of let go a little bit and allow trust in your team. How has it been working with the team? Because you went from solopreneur as an influencer to now how many people work on Rella? Eight people, not all full-time, but like eight people total have, you know, their hand in the pot and they're on the team on Rella. So it's definitely been, it was a learning curve in the beginning, I will say, but now I love it. And I cannot imagine working without my team. Like, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I ever, you know, worked alone. I'm like, just because we have such a good team and we've gotten so lucky with like the people that we have hired. And I think the key is like, we all have different strengths and we all have different weaknesses and we all have different skill sets. And so there's not really overlap. Like there's a slight overlap in strengths, but we all have very distinguished roles. So I think the biggest transition is going to be when we expand to like 
hiring multiple people in the same role. I think that that's, you know, like, oh, we need two people to do this. Like, I think that's when it's going to get very weird because right now we all have very individual things that we're working on, but I love my team. And I think that they're incredible and like, they hold me accountable and they make me feel like I have a boss in a way, you know, it's like, I have to show up because of them and I have to do this because of them. And so I actually really like it. And it's kind of given me that structure that I've needed because being on your own, I feel like you kind of are like, oh, I don't know what to do all day, you know, but like having a team that we have meetings and we need to communicate with each other and we, you know, rely on each other, I think has like really helped me grow as just like a business owner. Yeah. When I first realized that I had to, because when I used to work just myself on the agency and then I brought in a team, I was like, wait a minute, I have to like fucking be awake at 9am. Like I'm AM in general, but it's just the fact that like you think that you get into this game for freedom. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, I have all these people depending on my response and me being online during certain business hours. And it totally, totally changes the game. So thinking about these two different types of work structures that you've been through, one as a solopreneur being an influencer and now two as more of the entrepreneur in like a product-based business, you know, not physical product, but a digital product. If you could emotionally describe the solopreneur journey versus the entrepreneur journey, how would you emotionally describe each? Oh, okay. Um, I have to think about that. I will say the like product, Rella, like what we're doing there. I I know I've I've had like a positive outlook, but I would definitely say stressful and rewarding. I would say those two. I've never felt more stress in my life. Like, (laughs) so definitely stressful, but I've also never felt like more rewarded in my life, like envisioning the future and what it's going to look like. And I've never been that excited about something. So I would say stressful, rewarding, excited for like that part of it. As for the solo part, I feel like it was honestly very, I don't know, I'm trying to think. I think I had a lot of freedom like I could do whatever I wanted, you know, and I, no one told me what to do and it was all on me. And so freeing sounds kind of bad to say, considering I'm now like stressful, but I would say it was a little freeing. Like you don't have people depending on you. You don't have, you know, yeah, you do brand deals, but that's not like an everyday thing. And like, you know, you have a lot of creative freedom and you have a lot of, you know, I think that that's really nice, but I do say that there's a lot of pressure in it too, with like numbers and metrics and people watching you and people you, I haven't really like cared about what people thought about me as often now, because I'm like so consumed with Rella versus like when I was doing just like social media stuff, I very much cared what people thought about me on the internet. And so I would say pressure is another one that I felt like with being a solopreneur too. Isn't it amazing how everything comes with everything like has to balance out with a positive and a negative if you want to look mm-hmm. at it like everything has to you know you said entrepreneur was stressful and rewarding where solopreneur as a content creator was freeing but had a lot of pressure so it's such an example of the fact that even when you are doing the thing you're supposed to do it always comes with as Elizabeth Gilbert says the shit sandwich that you have to eat so that was really beautiful she always says like what shit sandwich do you want to eat for the rest of your life that's the business you should go into because there is no business that doesn't have a pain point no matter what it is like I'll sit here and be like oh I wish I was a product-based business sometimes because client relationships can get sticky but then you talk to a product-based business and they're like fucking supply chains and warehouses and all this stuff so Every single business has that downside, but it's in that downside that the upside comes. I've literally thought about that too. I'm like, product is so easy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, they don't know what it's like to work with clients. Like (laughs) then you talk to them and they're like dying. I know. I always think that. And then, yeah, you'll hear, you'll do an interview and you're like, oh yeah, that does sound hard. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Every single business has its one downside that is just a fucking bitch to handle. So anyways, love, you are so impressive, so rooted. There is like this earth-like energy to you and just kind of almost like this downloaded wisdom of, I want to call it, it's not consciousness it's not awareness it's almost like you see the reality through uncomfortable emotions and I think where a lot of people get stuck are the uncomfortable emotions so you're such a shining example of if you accept that they're coming and if you move through them you can get back to the reality which is that you're fucking building a sick app and it's changing the industry so thank you so much for that thank you so much that was so nice (laughs) That's what I've been thinking this whole time. I always love talking to you. <laughs> oh, thanks, love. Are you in? You're in. You're in uh, Miami, aren't you? Yes. Right now I'm in West Palm because I'm at my boyfriend's house. But um, yes, I am based in Miami. Okay, I'm coming to Miami. That's. I'll talk to you about it after, and then we'll uh, we'll definitely have to meet in person finally. Please, yeah. Okay, everyone. I'm also on Natalie's podcast, which I'll talk about in the intro, so you know where to get that. But Natalie, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can download Rella. Yeah, so you can find me anywhere on social media at Natalie Barbu. I have a podcast, The Real Real, which obviously Scout is going to be on. And then you can find Rella on the App Store or Google Play. Beautiful. And you can find me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. I will catch you next episode. I hope this episode has landed with you in the perfect timing that you need it. I hope that it gives you the courage to chase after your dreams and purpose. If you are so willing, I would be honored if you would text this episode to a friend, if you would rate the podcast five stars and write a review, and follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Over there, you can find links to sign up for my newsletter, which is also in the show notes, and get involved in all of my offerings, from Scout's agency to OKSIS podcast to this podcast. If you're looking for a deeper dive of my work, you can find my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, on Amazon. I am so appreciative you are here, and I will see you on the next episode.